0: A word of advice before we begin, if you're one of those people who falls asleep during my lessons, <laughs> don't ever admit that, because that gives me somebody to watch. <laughs> but I will, I will say I have a PowerPoint this morning, and where you sit in the front row, perhaps, that, that okay, good deal. All right, just saying. I would like to begin this morning's lesson by having you turn, please, in your Bibles to John chapter 8. I would like to begin with the last line and the last scripture verse that is contained in this morning's bulletin article. And I do hope you'll take the time. I realize it's a little lengthy. Yes, it's stapled. I was told this morning that it's unscriptural to have a stapled bulletin article. But I couldn't condense it down a lot more, so I'll try to avoid that. But uh, this is the last line of the bulletin article. I do hope you'll take time to read that later on this afternoon or at some point, because it does kind of go along with the sermon, and it was chosen, these were chosen to kind of run together. John 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, Jesus then goes on to talk a little bit later in this chapter to another group of people. He goes on to talk to a group of people which Satan or whom Satan had deceived into not believing him and his word. We see this in verses 42 and following. Jesus says to this other group, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But, Jesus says, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. So Jesus makes this very clear distinction between those who would abide in his word and were truly his disciples, and those who would believe Satan instead, who is the father of lies, and would therefore reject the truth that Jesus brought. Title of this morning's sermon, and I appreciate the place on the back of your bulletins for notes. Um, That was not my idea, but it's a wonderful idea. That's probably why it wasn't mine, but it's there if you're taking notes. Uh, Title of this morning's lesson is Satan's Deadly Seven. This morning I want to take a look at seven very effective lies or deceptions that Satan employs on a regular basis in order to deceive and take more people to hell with him. Now, there's a lot more than these seven, but this is my personally biased list, okay? So, these are seven of them. We're going to examine each one in light of the truth of God's word, because no one knows more about Satan than God's holy word. And so the first of Satan's deadly seven The lie that he throws out to so many and tries to get them to believe it is that God does not really exist. That God isn't really there. Well, I find this one to be a little bit timely, especially seeing as how in about six weeks it will be National Atheist Day. What we typically refer to as April Fool's Day. I call it National Atheist Day, and the reason is because you would have to be a fool to believe there is no God. According to the word of God, not according to me, but according to the very word of God, you'd have to be a fool to believe there's no God. God told us that repeatedly. Psalm 14.1 and Psalm 53.1 both say, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Pretty clear, can't get it much clearer than that. In fact, turn to me in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans 1, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22. Romans chapter 1, speaking about this topic, Paul writes to the Church of Christ in first century Rome. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22 says, look, you can know all about God's invisible attributes by looking around you, seeing what God did in the creation. It's very clear, and you'd have to be a fool to miss it. He says, those people that didn't glorify God, they weren't thankful to God. He said, they thought they were really smart, professing to be wise, they became fools. Again, we see that same terminology. Listen, brethren. All of this did not just happen. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. How clear is God going to make it that God made it All. The universe was not the result of a Big Bang. God created the universe by the word of his powers, Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. And finally, Psalm 33, 6 through 9, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. God just said it. There it was. Do you know what true science is? True science, all true science, is simply quote, the discovery of the infinite power and incredible intelligence behind the divine design of the creator of the universe. True science, unquote, true science is simply this. Think about this, true science is simply the creation's discovery of their creator's design. That's all it is. In other words, true science is not going to disagree with the Word of God. What the Word of God says, true science is simply going to validate, back up. Uh, It's going to tell us that, that the Bible is right in everything that God said. True science is simply we as the creation discovering the beauty and the intelligence of our Creator. That's why, that's why, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, told Timothy, uh, not the New King, in the King James Version, 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21, listen to this. Paul says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have aired concerning the faith. He said, stay away from those ridiculous babblings of science falsely so-called. It's not real science if it doesn't simply show how awesome God is, if it doesn't take apart and look at his creation and give him the glory. That's what true science does, And, and I'll tell you. Satan has been really successful with this one. I can't tell you how many shows you watch and." Well, the earth is 200 billion years old. No, it's not. Not according to the biblical record, it's not. It's about 6,500 years old, give or take, 100 years. And they say it as if it's fact, and that drives me nuts. I'm just saying. Well, 200 million years ago, really? No, no. No matter how many times you tell that lie, it's still a lie. Whatever you turn on for shows of that nature, as I said in the bulletin article, when Siri was asked, Brother Rowell's got, I think his is Siri, doesn't matter if it's Siri or Alexa, but asked which one of the, uh, asked how old the age of the earth was. Took him to a website, said 4.54 billion years old. All it's going to do is give you back man's answers. But brethren, there is a God. He did create the heavens and the earth. He created the world and everything in it, Acts 17, 24. And we must understand that, Hebrews 11, if you turn there. Hebrews 11, verse 6, look what it says, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Yeah. okay, but but what's going to make me really understand that, That, what's going to make me believe that he truly is, same answer because of what he's done in creation. Look at verse three, just above that. For by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are invisible. I'm sorry, I did that wrong. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen we're not made of things which are visible. The reason that we have faith in God, the reason that we believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, verse six, amongst other things, is because of the creation and we know that God did it. So do not buy the lie that God is not real. That brings us to Satan's second of his deadly seven. If he cannot convince people to deny the existence of God, he will try to get you to doubt the integrity of God. In other words, Satan will try to get you to believe that God is a liar. Why not? Why not? You want to talk about something that's successful? If you find something that's successful, those of you that are businessmen and women, if you find something that is really successful, you kind of stick with it, right, if it works, Look how successful Satan has been with this one. Look at the Garden of Eden. God said, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Satan said, on the day you eat of it, you shall surely not die. It worked pretty well, didn't it? We're still suffering from that today. So he will try to get you to think that God is a liar. How many people have you had a Bible study with? And they've bought the lie. They said, yeah, that's what it says, but that's not what it means. How many, right? We've all probably been there, most of us. You get them to this point where where it talks about what they got to do to be saved, and they can read it right in their own Bibles. Yeah, but that's not right. Somehow they bought into this lie that Satan is selling that God doesn't have it right. Brethren, Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back, just as he said. And it doesn't matter how many seconds, how many minutes, how many centuries, or how many millennia, goodbye in the meantime, Jesus is coming back. You know how I know that? Because it is absolutely impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. That would be like raindrops falling up. Can't be done. This is why walking by faith in this living God leads us to have such strong, stable, and secure lives. Hebrews chapter six, verses 13 through 19. Satan's the one that's the liar. Remember where we started this sermon? John 8, remember that? 31, following? Satan is the one who's a liar. Jesus exposed Satan as being that liar in those passages. The third of Satan's deadly seven, devious lie that Satan has sought to deceive people with for 2,000 years, and that is that Jesus Christ was not God in the flesh of all these doctrines out there today that want to make Jesus something less a God and not the God even though his word confirms that he was indeed the word who became flesh and dwelt among us and so Satan tries to get people to believe that Jesus wasn't God but Jesus proved by his words by his deeds and indeed by his very own prophesied, verified resurrection from the dead, that he was indeed the Son of God, just as the centurion said in Matthew 27 and verse 54. Listen, if Satan can deceive you or anybody else, into buying buying into this, that Jesus wasn't God. If he can get you to buy into that, even though, again, Jesus proved he was by his own resurrection, but if Satan can get you to doubt that, then getting you to doubt the rest of the word of God is a whole lot easier and it will cause you to lose your eternal soul. If he can start with that one and get you to buy that, it will lead in this progression to the fact that you will reject other parts of the word of God until you eventually get to the point that you will lose your eternal soul. Acts 17, 30 and 31 confirms, Truly the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. It's coming. There's no way around it. We can cover our eyes, our ears, we can harden our hearts, we can turn a deaf eye, we can listen to men, but it's coming. And ignorance is no longer an excuse, just as God said in that passage. And he's proven that he's gonna judge people by Jesus Christ and he proved it by raising him from the dead and yet what did Jesus say in John 10 about being raised from the dead he said I lay down my life and I take it up again remember but wait a minute this passage says that God is given assurance by raising him from the dead you know what that means Jesus was God because Jesus said I'm going to raise myself this text says God raised him Jesus is God don't ever let anybody tell you any different. Don't let Satan deceive you. That's one of his biggest lies. If Satan cannot deceive people into believing, number one, that God doesn't exist, or number two, that the Word of God is not true, or that number three, Jesus Christ was not the son of the living God, he'll try some different lies, but but here's the thing. If you, if you, John 8, 31 and 2, if you truly accept study accept and obey the word of god as the word of god second thessalonians two thirteen, then the rest of satan's lies are not anywhere near as likely to make an impact on you as they would otherwise because if satan and tell you other lies that will make an impact of you, on you, he will make an eternal charcoal of you. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Psalm 119, 105. The fourth of Satan's deadly seven is that God is too loving to send good people to eternal hell. I wouldn't even ask for a raising of hands on this because we probably all heard this one. He convinces people that God would never send anybody who's good, and that's a generic term, very flexible term, people to hell. But those who know the word of God well, those who study the word, those who are truly his disciples and they abide in his word, they know again that even for good people quote unquote ignorance is no excuse and they understand that there will be many people there'll be many more people in hell than heaven isn't that what jesus said for those of you who know the word of god isn't that what jesus said absolutely is matthew 7 13 and 14. we also know that it will be no less than Jesus himself. We've got to get this. It's going to be no less than Jesus Christ, the Lord himself, himself, who will pronounce that sentence on quote-unquote many good and well-intentioned religious people who have deceived themselves into thinking they're doing God's will, but they never truly took the time to study, to learn, and to obey the Father's will as found in the word of God. Turn with me to Matthew 7. I know that I reference this text a lot, but I've got to tell you, when I was first really getting involved with looking into these things, to me, this was some of the scariest, Revelations of Jesus in the New Testament. This was some of the scariest texts, and it still is. This hasn't changed. Matthew 7, very familiar passage, beginning at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. These are religious people. They're calling him Lord. Some religious groups say all you got to do is call him Lord, believe in your heart. These people did. They didn't make it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. If we don't study God's word, how are we gonna do his will if we don't know his will? Many will say to me, here we go, verse 22. By the way, this is red letter, this is Jesus. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I, this is Jesus, I will declare, To them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And we read that and we say, is it true? Yeah, it's true. Anything that disagrees with this is a lie. That's true because Jesus said it. But God is so good to us and he goes on to explain what he means. and, And it's so simple to understand. All we got to do is do it the way the word says. If we're truly his disciples, then we need to abide in his word. We need to live in his word. Look what he says. He explains this in verses 24 and following. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him into a wise man who built his house on the rock. Rain descended, floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Did not fall, it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Where have I seen that term fool or foolish before? Be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, floods came, wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Don't let Satan ever convince you you can build a safe life on anything other than the rock of God's word. Because you can't. Not according to God. Closely tied to that is the fifth of Satan's deadly seven. Satan has got a lot of people into thinking that God is not all that serious about sin. And I think of all of them, this one maybe confounds me the most. God not serious about sin? Really? People just think they can go off and do whatever they want to. And, and that God, because of his great love, is okay with whatever sin they want to commit. How, how is that part? Listen, God not serious about sin? How many sins did it take to get kicked out of the garden? God not serious? Are you kidding me? Anybody remember the story of the flood? Eight people were saved. I can't imagine what it must have been like when those waters came up and people hammering on that door. I don't know if they did or not. The Bible doesn't say. But as I run that picture through my mind, as the, as the rains come down and the floods come up and, and people just beating on that door and they know they're about to die and, and because they've been so evil and so wicked, they're, they're God not serious about sin? Genesis 6, are you kidding me? What about the cross? God, I'm not serious about that? What about the cross? What about a God who created this all, would pour himself into human flesh, and he would come down here, he would give up equality with God, Philippians 2, and he would come down here, wrapped in flesh, able to be tempted, able to die go through everything he lived through, the creator of the universe, put himself at the mercy of his creation, be arrested, mutilated, scourged, crucified. God not serious about sin? Are you kidding me? I don't know how much more serious he could be if he was willing to pay that. Yeah, God is really serious about sin. Sin is an affront to his authority. Sin is like slapping God in the face sin is the epitome of arrogance to think that even one sin will ever be allowed inside of that holy righteous heavenly city we're not going to turn there but if we were to turn to Revelation 21 1 through 8 it talks about this holy city and and no sin and no unrighteousness will ever enter God's not even gonna let that little grain that you see on the PowerPoint of sin into that holy city because God can't tolerate God not serious about sin that one just blows my mind listen once you have sinned I'll tell you how serious God is once your sins have separated you from God Isaiah 59 1 2 once you sin once you know it you're aware of it you know what sin is there's nothing you can ever do in your power to get that off your record do you understand that that's how serious God is about sin you can cry your eyes out. You can pray your heart out. You can give every, every penny of your money. You can live a 100 years and do nothing but good deeds for people. And guess what happens on Judgment Day? That sin still sitting there in all its ugliness. There is absolutely nothing you can do to get rid of that sin in and of yourself. Tell me again, God's not serious about sin? God is so serious about sin it is so ugly to him that even the smallest will not go unpunished but the beauty is that he's so serious about sin that he sent his son to take the punishment for ours for while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly God shows his love for us in this that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Romans 5 6 to 8 isn't God awesome what we could not do he did for us he came and lived the perfect life so that if we would live in him if we would get into Christ and live in him that when he looked at us he would see the righteousness of of Christ and he wouldn't see our smallest sin God is so awesome to us but that's how serious he is about sin for our sake he made Jesus his son to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him 2nd Corinthians 5 and verse 17 But if that doesn't work, Satan will try just the opposite. Despite what the word of God says and shows and proves throughout, and despite what God did for us on the cross, number six is this. Despite all we know, and we've covered so far, Satan's deadly seven, number six, is that God could never love and forgive you after what you've done. I, I had somebody once say to me, if I walked into the church building, the roof would fall in. Had another person with a bumper sticker on their car that I knew real well. It said, heaven doesn't want me, and hell's afraid I'll take over. You talk about arrogance. You talk about not knowing the Bible. Somehow, Satan convinces people who've done some terrible things that God could never forgive them. Listen, listen, if you know your Bible, you know that ain't true. You know that God can. You know the story in John chapter 4 of the woman at the well. She's been married five times. She's shacking up. And Jesus said, if you ask me, I'd give you the living water. Isn't that what he said? What about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11? They brought her in and they cast her down and, and they said, the law says stone her." what do you say? He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. They begin walking away. The woman gets up, and he says, where are your accusers? She says, nowhere, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. See, God was serious about sin, dead serious about sin. Don't sin anymore. You go your way. I don't condemn you. Even after all she's done and what she's been caught, no. She said, I don't condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. Yeah, he was serious about her sin. She was, it was not a license to sin, but he loved her even after all she'd done. What about Peter? Peter denied him three times, right? Peter, spent three and a half years with him. He's with him, sees him transfigured on the Mount, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. Peter sees all these wonderful things. Peter walks on water, sees miracles and all, and Peter denied him not once, not twice, but three times. You know what Jesus said about that, don't you? tell my disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. Sin so bad that God can't forgive you? I don't think so. What about the Christ-denying Christian killing Saul of Tarsus? What about him? Jesus watched Saul of Tarsus killing Christians chaining them up like animals, trying to force them to blaspheme, Acts 26, 9 through 11. He waited till Saul was on the road of Damascus. After three days in Damascus, Saul was told to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins. You know what Saul wrote later? He would killed Christians. How many of you have killed a Christian? Don't be shy. Raise your hand. You're either all being dishonest or you all never have. I haven't either. That's what he did, Okay, that's that's what he did, and yet he could write this, years later he would write, and I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first... Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life don't sit there and tell me that you are beyond the grace of God if you are willing to turn to him because you ain't not according to this and I believe him do you and I thank him and I praise him that that's who he is that brings us to the seventh and final of Satan's deadly seven Maybe he hasn't deceived you with the other six. For example, you know that God exists. You know his word is true. You know that Jesus is his son. There's no doubt in your mind. You you got this. He hasn't deceived you with the first three. You know that God is deadly serious about sin. You understand that. And you understand that he will send many people hell on judgment day because they were unwilling to learn and do his will as we talked about in Matthew 7 you know that you got that Satan's not deceiving you that's awesome you even understand that no matter what you've done God in his love and mercy and grace if you will turn to him is willing to cleanse you of all your sins you understand that you understand he came and went to the cross so he could do it you got those first six Satan's not fooling you So what is Satan's deadly seventh convincing you that you can be saved by some other way than what the Bible says? Brethren, there are a lot of people who understand the first six and they haven't let Satan fool them. But this one gets them. Satan's deadly seventh is convincing a person they can be saved by some other way than what the Bible says. That they can be saved by following in the footsteps or following the instructions of somebody other than Jesus. This is the one that gets them. Following in the footsteps of Jesus means being willing to trust him because we know his word, we abide in it, that's why we're truly his disciples. We're not going to buy the lies of Satan, we're not going to buy any of them, but Satan's deadliest one is number seven, trying to convince you you can be saved some other way than what Jesus said in the word. If we know the word, we know that's not true. We understand that we have got to hear the word, Romans 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We know that we've got to believe, John 8:24 because he tells us we do. We understand that we must confess with our mouth, Romans 10 and verse 10. We understand, Acts 17, 30, that we have got to repent. Remember, ignorance is no excuse. We had that in a slide. We've got to repent. We've got to be baptized, Acts 2 and verse 38. And live faithfully, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Now. There's a lot of people who haven't bought into the first six lies, but somehow they get to this list, all of which are scriptural, and they say, I don't got to do that. Satan told me I don't need to do that. That's not what they say, but that's what it comes out as. Somebody told me I didn't have to be baptized to be saved. I could be saved without being baptized. Well, that ain't what Jesus said. I don't know who you're listening to, but it ain't Jesus. Well, I don't have to repent, I don't have to change my direction and and turn toward God. If I just do this, I can just continue to live like I'm living. That ain't what God said, that's a lie of Satan. I don't care who tells you that, it's a lie of Satan. The truth is that this is what Jesus said we got to do. It is not enough to believe Jesus is the Christ in order to be saved. Even the demons believe and shudder, James 2 and verse 19. A believer must obey the entire gospel. And again... We've got to hear the word. We've got to believe it. We've got to confess our sins. We've got to be willing to repent. We've got to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Baptism, for any other reason, won't get it done. Baptism as a baby doesn't get it done because we must be able to repent and be baptized, to believe and be baptized. They come come together. Babies can't do that. Babies don't have sin anyway. This is what he said. Do you believe him or not? That's the question we all got to answer. Many of us have. No one is saved by saying the sinner's prayer. Nobody. Nobody. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm not trying to be aggressive. I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm trying to save souls, Okay. The sinner's prayer welcoming Jesus in your heart is not in the Bible anywhere if we're going to truly be his disciples if we're gonna go by his word and his word alone if we're going to truly be his disciples then we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free John 8 31 and 2 we're not gonna be like those people further on in John chapter 8 who did not receive his word and bought into something else who bought into the sinners prayer that's not in his word we're gonna go by the word and the word tells us very clearly what we've got to do, again, we're only saved by obeying the gospel, by hearing and understanding, believing and confessing, repenting and being baptized, and by staying faithful after that. That's what the Word says. Well, what about so-and-so? They said, who do you believe, Jesus or somebody else? Well, yeah, but so-and-so was a good person. There's a lot of good people in the world that are going to hell. Did you know that? Matthew 7:21 through 23. Many will say to me on that day, didn't we do all this good stuff? And I'll say, not my words. Don't be mad at me. That's what the book says. What does every Christian convert in the New Testament have in common? They've obeyed the gospel. The Bible is very clear. And this backs up. There are other verses, but this one backs it up. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. That text does not say he who believes is saved and should be baptized. It doesn't say that, does it? Does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say he who believes will be saved and should be baptized. No, he who believes and is baptized, it's a package deal, will be saved because that's where our sins are washed away. That's where we get rid of that ugliness of sin. Acts 22 and verse 16. Now, why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sin. You've got to get that off your soul. And that's how you do it. Truth is, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But if you don't believe it, you're going to be condemned. So, who do you believe? Who do you believe? Ignorance is no excuse can't say, Lord, I didn't know that. Lord, I had no idea. Well, if you're here this morning, you have an idea because you've heard it, don't you? And if you open up God's word, you've got an idea because you've read it, haven't you? But if you haven't opened up God's word and you make the excuse, I didn't know, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And again, he who believes and is baptized will be (coughs) saved. How much easier could it be? There's no shortcuts to salvation. There's no loopholes. There's no, there's, there's no doubt about it. Faith is taking God at his word, doing what he said to accomplish what he said. It's, it's that simple. What did he say? Well, we see Mark 16, 16 again. Faith only is a dead end. For you see that a man is saved by works and not by faith only, James 2 and verse 24. Two choices. There are only two destinations after this life, heaven or hell. The straight and narrow way, or the wide and broad way. It's not difficult. Started out talking about Satan's deadly seven. How do we resist those seven lies? How do we get past those and understand the truth? Simple, by knowing God's word and by submitting to it. It's, It's really that simple. If you don't want to buy into those lies and get to spend eternity with Satan who caused them you need to know the truth need to study God's Word only two choices brethren he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned it's that simple where will you spend eternity choice is yours this morning if you've never been baptized to have your sins forgiven God is dead serious about sin there's no other way but his way you got a choice to make now we're gonna stand in a minute we're gonna sing but not just yet but the choice is this if you know what you need to do to be saved and have those sins washed away that God's so serious about and you choose not to come forward and be baptized, you've still made a choice. you made a choice. And I hope and pray that if that's the case this morning that God will work on your mind and your heart and get you to really rethink these things. Because some of us may not live to make it back here. This morning, make the right choice. Don't buy Satan's lies. Don't buy any of them. I'm not going to recover them again. We've covered them enough. Don't buy any of them. Don't buy the first one, second one, third one, all the way through, and don't buy that seventh one that there's another way to be saved other than exactly what we saw outlined. Hear, believe, confess, repent, be baptized and live faithful. There's no other plan. Choose right now as we stand in